This episode of On the Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles curbside pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey everybody, Mike Griffith here and welcome to this week's edition of On the Beat and what a show we have for you tonight. Paul Feinbaum of the SEC Network is going to join us later in the program. I'll get to my hot and cold segment, uh, which you can read uh, on dognation.com. Get a little preview of that if you want to check that story out each week. We do the Dog Nation hot and cold and uh, some familiar names on the hot list and some familiar names on the cold list in a special warm segment as well with some names that might interest you. So that segment will be coming up a little bit later in the show. But first, let's talk about this Georgia football team. Well, the dogs have done it again. This is three straight undefeated regular seasons for Kirby Smart. You just shake your head and say, man, we're watching history. This isn't supposed to happen. In this day and age, now wait a minute, not an insult to Kirby, not saying they don't deserve it, just saying that there's more parity in college football now than ever before. How could there not be? Players can transfer automatically without sitting out a year for no reason. I mean, that's just never happened in college football. It's happened in other sports, but not college football. And you take a look around the landscape. I did a quick look at it earlier this year. 16 former Georgia players on the two deep of other FBS rosters, 11 starting. And that includes four programs in the SEC. We saw Tresman Marshall as a starter at Alabama earlier this year at linebacker. Uh, And of course, Jermaine Burton, probably one of the biggest deep threat receivers in the nation starting for Alabama, a guy that Kirby Smart and his staff uh, feverishly working to try to stop this week in their preparations. And on Saturday at 4 p.m. when Georgia faces Alabama, in the SEC championship game. So the fact that Georgia has been able to have this sort of success in an era where there's all these transfers, there's this portal, there's not only that, but there's all these NIL inducements. There's there's other schools saying, hey, come play for us. We'll pay you more money than Georgia. We'll start you and we'll pay you more money. And Kirby has to deal with that. I think Lane Kiffin called that pre-portaling. And what is pre-portaling? Okay, well, when a player goes in the portal, that's when he's supposed to be able to be contacted by other schools. That's supposed to be the act that says, hey, I'm out here. I'm putting myself on this waivers, free agent list. Come find me. But what Lane Kiffin said happened, and said happened last year with Quinshawn Junkins, his very talented running back, was that there were other schools doing pre-portal action. In other words, people reaching out saying, hey, put your name in the portal, we'll take you. And then Kirby said, look, He's never sat down across from a guy, or or very few for that matter, that didn't have an idea where they were going when they sat down with him to say, Coach, I'm going to transfer out of Georgia. Most of these guys already have deals worked out. They already have programs that can contact them. And then as far as Georgia, I don't say the door swings both ways too hard, but a lot of times Kirby will tell you the, the players that Georgia has been interested in as transfers, they knew before. They recruited before. There was a relationship in place before because George is very careful about who they bring into their locker room. That culture is so important. When you think about the connectedness and when you think about how Cedric Van Pran said earlier this week that the dogs hold one another accountable, you can't do that if it's a room full of transfers that don't know one another. There's no comfort level. There's no trust. Uh, But when you come up through the ranks together and you build a program like Georgia has built, that accountability can come from, as Cedric said, your brother, who says, 
said, you ain't having it today. You got to have somebody that can hold you accountable, um, you know, and someone that you feel accountable to. Do it for your teammate. If you can't get up and do it for yourself today, you do it for your teammate or you do it to measure up to the standard. That was very interesting when I asked Kirby, how do you provide this critical analysis to your players to get better and yet give them just enough um, praise to keep them in a positive mindset? And he said it had to do with when they talked about the time he spent with Navy SEALs earlier this year and their mindset and, and how the SEALs basically said, look, if you can't take criticism, it could, you know, and, and improve yourself. It could cost somebody their life. And Kirby said, this isn't as serious. But the takeaway is if you can't take criticism, uh, then you can't be on this team. And, and that's part of playing for Georgia and being a part of that program is knowing that every day, no matter how well you played, no matter what the result was, they're going to be in a film room and they're going to be in meetings and they're going to be on the practice field and they're going to say, how can you get better? And everything you do can be done better, almost like golf, right? You just get that feeling. There's no such thing as a perfect game. There's no arrival point at Georgia. It's always about getting better and taking the next step. That's how you win 29 games in a row with that mentality. But it takes a special kind of player. And so that's why you might say, well, why didn't Georgia get this transfer, get that transfer? Well, maybe they were good enough to start, but did they have the right character and mentality to fit into a group that works like that. It doesn't work for everyone. It has certainly worked for Georgia. Uh, a one-of-a-kind happening that we're seeing, history being made. It's going to continue 4 p.m. Saturday, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, can't wait for this football game. Uh, it's been tough at times for Georgia. Let's face it, that early season schedule, kind of rough, kind of tough to watch those games. Didn't really feel like you were seeing Georgia's best. But the dogs got better and better and better. And as Carson Beck got a supporting cast around him, he did better and better and better. And so Georgia was ready for that incredible, uh, difficult stretch. Some people count the Florida game. Uh, the Gators were coming off a win. G Georgia had had a bye week. Uh, yeah, they put the Gators down. They were not ranked. But then they went into a stretch of ranked opponents where they took down Missouri. Uh, they took down an old Miss team that was in the top 10. And then they went to Neyland Stadium and got that quality road win to check that box, what had been missing, quality road win over a top 25 Tennessee team, domination in a 38-10 win. The Georgia Tech game, more about survival. Again, got to give kudos to Brent Key and Georgia Tech. They were up for that game late Saturday night. Dogs with a lot of guys out. That game is behind them. Then we now move forward. We'll see what happens with Lad McConkey. Kirby said this week he's going to be day to day, right? Ra Ra Thomas don't really know what the foot sprain day to day. Lad, by the way, high ankle sprain day to day. Get the feeling Brock Bowers will be back. Get the feeling that maybe Brock could have gone, but he was honest enough to say it was still sore. So Georgia said no reason to chance this guy against Tech. And then Tate Ratlitz, who banged knees against Tennessee, where will he be at? Be interested to see if he'll be back. Kirby said he was closer to being able to play than either Ladd McConkie or Ra Ra Thomas. The Georgia offensive line, very deep, but they're at their best with a healthy Tate Rowledge. So those are some things to keep an eye on this week on the Georgia injury front. Uh, we'll be updating that, obviously, every day at dognation.com uh, and, and clearly uh, in all our programming, whether it be Dog Nation Daily um, or any of the programming with Jeff Centel on Wednesday night or Kaylee Menzel on Thursday, or certainly our tailgater show on Saturday, we'll have the final and most recent injury updates. Uh, first things first, though, uh, I want to take a moment now 
to recognize our sponsor, Ingles. I want to thank Ingles. Uh, they've done a tremendous job supporting us throughout the year. Couldn't do this show without Ingles. So let's take a moment and recognize our sponsor, Ingles. And when we come back, Paul Feinbaum from the SEC Network will join us with some incredibly scorching hot takes. Stay with us. Did you know that Ingles sells more organics than any other store? Or that they run their own dairy? Or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else? Or that they have energy smart stores? Or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department? Or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. Welcome back to the program. As promised, Paul Feinbaum joins us. And Paul, really appreciate you making the time for Dog Nation this week. Want to ask you about the momentum of Alabama and Georgia. Both had rivalry games. They weren't things of beauty. Uh, Alabama, final play, the Milrow miracle. Georgia, uh, a sloppy game against Georgia Tech. Your thoughts about the Tide and the Bulldogs going into this week? Yeah, I think the easier one is Georgia. I mean, Mike, you you cover that team, and I, I can't get too excited about that Georgia Tech rivalry, but I, I understand it's real. It may, it means the world for one side. It meant probably very little for for Georgia, and yeah, you know, I, I would have uh, I would have kept more players uh, on the bench. Uh, Kirby Smart, I think, was very circumspect with some of the guys he, that he he did not play. He knew he could win that game, uh, and and he did. And I, I, don't, I don't even know what the score was because the game didn't interest me very much. Uh, I knew uh, I knew what was happening the following week. And then the other game, uh, as we talked about Friday in Auburn, you, you had a feeling it would it would be interesting uh, because it just always seems to be. And part of the problem is Georgia, Mike. Uh, just like two years ago, uh, Alabama's thinking ahead to Georgia. The fan base is thinking ahead. And they still have to get past a, a very difficult environment. And they struggled. And should they have lost? Yes. Should they have lost two years ago? Yes. They didn't lose either one. And it, it doesn't really matter why. Yeah, obviously, Tide survives. They stay alive in the championship race. I, I look at Georgia. And again, I, I know you didn't watch that game live. And I don't know how much the replay. Probably not much. Uh, Brent right. Key is the one who's made that real, by the way. This is a former player there that beat Georgia three times. He really believes there that they can. And, and I guess he convinced his team of that. Paul, they went over 200 yards rushing. And I guess when we do our kind of crib notes version of the preview in this game, I mean, the Georgia defense, they also gave up more than 200 to Auburn. Does Alabama have enough of a run game to sustain against Georgia? Well, if you can tell me Jace McClellan's condition uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, I may have a good answer for you. He's banged up. I mean, you know the same thing I know. I mean, he was in a boot. That's not a good sign. Uh, it, it, it would be a very big blow to Alabama uh, if he's not able to play at, at, a, at a reasonable level. Now, they've got another a couple of running backs, but I think he is the most uh, damaging. And for Alabama to get much going, uh, they, they need to establish that running game. So I, I think that's I think if you're if you're charting it on Monday when, when we're doing this conversation, uh, advantage Georgia. Yeah, no doubt. Of course, now the Bulldogs expect to get Brock Bowers back. But Lad McConkey, Ra Ra Thomas, a couple of these perimeter threats. I mean, they've been pretty important to Carson Beck, Paul. How important will it be to keep an eye on that Georgia training? Room? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of Lad McConkey, so and I think he he's just such a compliment. But <laughs> you mentioned the key name, Brock Powers back. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't I don't exactly know why he didn't play against Georgia Tech. Was he banged up? Uh, was he 
too busy watching the Florida Florida State game. I'm not really sure, but uh, whatever it was, I, as a fan of college football, I was glad to see him rested and, and healthier for this game because, uh, I mean, this is a guy that, that should have been in the Heisman race. He, of course, he couldn't because of the injuries, uh, but he deserves a platform like Saturday in Atlanta, especially at 100%. And we'll touch on that Heisman in just a second. First things first, though, college football playoffs. We've seen the media polls speak. They have Ohio State 6 ahead of Texas and Alabama. Got to tell you, surprised me. I did not have Ohio State ahead of Texas or Alabama, but wheels are in motion right now. So here's a quick question. Could, Al could Georgia get into the college football playoff with a loss? Yes, they could. And, and quite frankly, uh, and I'll just – make this disclaimer, assuming it's a good game. I mean, I, I don't think Georgia, you know, can just look inept uh, and there's no reason to expect them to. But if, it, if it's a competitive game, I, I know that sounds like the most ridiculous statement of the week. I, I'm sure some guy on Twitter is going to say, oh, fine, but I'm not even sure that, that uh, Georgia can be competitive against Alabama. Yes, I, yes, I am. Uh, so I, I think this is the game that we expect it to be. Georgia definitely should. And, and I don't know why they should. I don't know why that's so hard to figure out. I mean, so Georgia – uh, you want to keep penalizing Georgia for uh, its non-conference schedule? I think we're I think we're long over that, are we not? Yeah, you would think so. I guess the scenario we're looking at, and a lot has to play out. A lot has to play out. Yeah. But let's face it, the, the the Big Ten championship game is academic. It's Michigan will roll Iowa. It's an average margin of you know three touchdowns over the last ten years. The East always wins. The Washington Oregon winner, you know, let let's just go ahead. I think a one loss Oregon that beats Washington probably gets an undefeated one. No doubt, that's two. If Florida State beats a two loss Louisville, I mean, this is really pathetic, by the way. I just don't think the committee would have the courage to leave out an undefeated Florida State team. And and then but but then we're looking at Ohio State and Texas as one loss teams. You're, thoughts on how they've ranked him so far and is it a given the Pac-12 champ gets in I think it is a given uh, but what I think is absurd is what you said a minute ago and, and I realize you were you were saying this is what the committee will do right. but the and 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 my my head explodes every time I hear one of these knowledgeable reporters go on TV or podcast or anywhere else and say well you can't keep a power 5 undefeated champion out yes you can uh, they're without their best player. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I don't care about Florida State. Uh, I mean, I really don't. Uh, they, they have a couple of nice wins, but they won't have a win, anything comparable to the winner of the SEC game on Saturday. I mean, that's absurd to say that. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's ludicrous. And, it, it, you know, Alabama is going to get penalized for playing a two-game series with Texas, are you are you are you serious? Uh, I mean, and if if, Al, if you know the Georgia Oklahoma game, we've litigated that. I mean, that's been the most litigated uh, not get non-game we've ever had in the history of the sport. So I just I just refuse to accept that. Uh, I ref I don't want to hear about well they got three top twenty-five wins. To me, college football is about the moment, the big moment. If you can go in and beat the number one team in the country. Or if, if Georgia can beat the number eight team in the country, I think that more than makes up for uh, not going to Norman to play a good, but by no means a great Oklahoma team. Yeah, no doubt. And in Georgia, yeah, a very interesting 13-member college football playoff committee will really get put to the test. The politics of it, Paul, you were there in 2018. You said you felt Georgia was better than Oklahoma should have got in. They were two losses. Oklahoma was one. Proved to be correct. Oklahoma was down 28-0 to zero to Alabama in that game in 16 minutes. Moving yeah. on to the Heisman Trophy race. 
A lot of people are saying it's a foregone conclusion that it's Jaden Daniels. And I know you visit with Brian Kelly each week. He does a fantastic job. I think he's been a fantastic addition uh, to the league. He's certainly entertaining, and his teams are offense are, are fantastic. Is it a foregone conclusion? Because I see Bo Nix on the board. I see Michael Penix on the board. I discount Marvis Harrison Jr. I'm sorry. Beck has been added late. But what about Jalen Mil Jalen, give me the Heisman Milrow. Your thoughts on him and these leading candidates. Okay. I'll get to Milrow first. If Jaden Milrow goes crazy Saturday, and let's say he has uh, a similar play to what he had. I mean, he's already had the Heisman moment. We didn't know it, but, but I think he could win. Uh, crazy, but we're, we're human. Uh, those of us who, who vote on anything, it's the very last thing you see. So I, I would, I give, I give Jaywin Miller a long shot, but yeah, he's got a shot. Now back to Jaden Daniels. All the platitudes, he deserves everything, Mike. Let's save ourselves some time here. He's out of sight, out of mind Saturday. Uh, we're not thinking about him. And quite frankly, uh, he has not played in that many high profile games this year. Uh, the LSU game on the, on the first Sunday night, he didn't play great against Alabama. He played good, but it was not vintage. Jay. Now, of course he got knocked out of the game, which we can debate maybe in, in some other life. Uh, he was fantastic against Ole Miss and a loss. Uh, so he, he's, he's not going to get any more. He's not going to gain any ground. I think Penix uh, could, I think Bo Nix is the guy you better watch out for. Uh, he's, he's got the stage to himself on Friday night. If he goes crazy, uh, he can walk away with it. And whether it's fair or not, it's the reality of the situation. Stetson Bennett, to your point, played himself into a trip to New York with a fantastic performance against yeah. LSU's. Could Carson Beck do the same? And how do you compare Carson Beck to Stetson Bennett? I really like Carson Beck better. Uh, in many, I trust him. Uh, Stetson Bennett, I know it sounds a little crazy after the fact, but I never really trusted him. I just, okay, he's got two national championships. I still don't trust you, Stetson. Sue me. Uh, but I, I really, I, 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 I'm drafting Carson Beck. If you say, okay, we got X number of quarterbacks, give me that guy. Yeah, looking out west, got to ask you about this. Caleb Williams a year ago, Lincoln Riley's a genius. Caleb Williams a Heisman winner, fingernails painted, 11 and 3. This year, 7 and 5. What is the Lincoln Riley Caleb Williams takeaway from these last two years on the West Coast. I don't think there's ever been a quarterback this talented uh, who really was, was done this much of a disservice by uh, his head coach. And I mean, I sat here a year ago, critical of Nick Saban for not getting and doing more for Bryce Young. Now, again, I, I realize it's hard to look at Bryce Young objectively after watching the, the first 12 games of the NFL season. I mean, you, you his coach just got fired. His GMs will get fired. I mean, the only person who won't be fired in that organization for drafting Bryce Young is the, is the owner uh, because he owns the team. Uh, but but that's how bad it was for Lincoln Riley. And I, I, I he's not a complete head coach. Uh, you know, he's a good system co uh, coordinator. Uh, you know, there are two. There are three, how many times has uh, Pat Dye or Vince Dewey or Bear Bryant told you about the three important parts of football special teams, offense and defense. Lincoln Riley has never heard the phrase defense. 
Yeah, I think on the video games, he just plays offense and kind of fast forwards to the other. Uh, other coaches I want to ask about, Hugh Freeze. This is, talk about mind-blowing, okay? The guy takes Georgia into the final minutes, they win. The guy takes Bama to the final minute, and yet he loses by three touchdowns. To How do we grade Hugh Freeze year one at Auburn, and is he the future for the Tigers? I think he is the future because uh, he is a big game coach. You, you, you laid it out. I, I think the issue for Hugh Freeze is he's dealing with a different type of player than he left at Ole Miss seven or eight years ago. It's not – the players aren't really different. It's the money that's different. And being down there and seeing him and, and soaking in that atmosphere Friday as you did, it it's hard to keep a team focused, uh, especially when they, they're really not playing it for anything. And and they got their hand out. Uh, and, and you know, the portal's opening and uh, they'll have their hand out again. And I, I think Hugh Freeze has had a very difficult time adjusting to that. I, th- I think he'll be successful uh, because he, he's got a good temperament. He, he's a great offensive mind. I, I, I don't know what that conversation was like Saturday night uh, between him and his defensive coordinator. Uh, you would have needed uh, more than security to restrain me from his setup on the final play of the game. Yeah, I think Jalen Milrow was pretty pleased with that. We talked to him on the teleconference earlier, and uh, he, I'll tell you, Jalen Milrow's got the personality for America. Get ready. This is your breakout star, it seems, right now. Georgia will try to end that. When I ask you, uh, speaking of big paychecks, somewhere Jimbo Fisher, uh, a $280,000 check cash today, and we'll cash tomorrow, and we'll cash every day of the year for Jimbo on his buyout. A&M goes and hires Mike El- Elko after there was talk that Mark Stoops might actually get to go somewhere where they'll spend money on football. Football. Did AM make the right hire going with Elko over Mark Stoops? Well, the one thing I don't know is uh, you know what killed the Mark Stoops hire. It looked like he was done. And uh, you know, we'll find out. There are a lot of good reporters out there. So as of the hour that we speak, I, I'm really not 100 uh, percent I think Mark Stoops uh, probably looked to me like a better fundamental overall coach than, than, than Elko. I mean, I don't know enough about Elko. I mean, I know he was out there under Jimbo, so you, you try not to hold that against him. Yeah, it's hard to imagine a program like A&M uh, hiring someone away from Duke, but this this is where we're at, I suppose, if Mississippi State hires a guy like uh, Jeff Levy. And w- will there be any more coaching changes? Do we believe now that Florida will stick with Billy Napier? He hasn't been fired yet. It seems like that would have been a, a more imminent deal, particularly with the way recruiting is working right now. Yeah, it, it, Billy Napier will not be fired. And uh, I think it's because Scott Strickland still has the power down there and he believes in him. And it, I don't completely understand it, uh, but uh, I'm not supposed to understand it. Uh, the idea of they, and you, you sitting in Athens can understand this better than anyone. The idea that the University of Florida went out and hired a hot young, young coach and he's yet to have a winning record after two seasons, and they're okay with that, is is mind-boggling. Um, it tells you that Dan Mullen may have been right when he said an 8-4 and four season was a pretty good season yeah. for the Florida Gators. Yeah, Dan Mullen's cred uh, uh, has really gone up. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a good analyst on TV. He's funny. Uh and, you know, he'll probably end up with a job if he wants one. Yeah, I would think so. Paul, before I let you go, we're on the brink of this madness, this championship game weekend as we're trying to horseshoe four teams into the playoff. Next year, it'll be a 12-team playoff, and there won't be this drama. We'll say, well, the Alabama-Georgia game doesn't really matter because they're both going to be in the playoff, and we know Ohio State's in. 
Is college football made a mistake going to 12 games? And what are these championship games going to look like moving forward uh, now that we go 12 teams? I, I don't think that they made a mistake. Uh, you know, this we're fine. We, we may, we may not, by the way, but you know, at least on Monday of the final week of the season, uh, you know, we have a lot of drama. We've never had this before. I, I look at, I mean, I, I watched the last hour Sunday night of, of the bills and the Eagles. I have no idea why, um, but I did, I was riveted to it. I watched the Sunday game, uh, this, this Thanksgiving day, 41 million people watch Thanksgiving. That's double the. That's more than double the the audience of the national championship game for college football last year, and the NFL has a. Why do we watch the NFL? Because it matters. It doesn't matter in terms of of where you get to the playoffs. It matters where you will be in the playoffs, and I think that's going to be the narrative a year from now. Okay, winner of this game gets a bye. Winner of this game gets home field. It matters in the NFL. It will matter in college football, Mike. Yep, we'll have to change our way of thinking. One thing people don't change is the channel. When Paul Feinbaum is on the SEC Network each day at 3 p.m., the Paul Feinbaum Show. Paul, thank you so much for making the time to join us. I look forward to seeing you in Atlanta later this week. Mike, it's been my pleasure. I'll see you you Friday. Coming up next, it's the Who's Not and Who's Cold for the Week, brought to you by Anytime Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. This is On the Beat from Dog Nation. Anytime heating, cooling, and plumbing. Our family has been making sure Georgia fans and their families are comfortable for over 20 years. Let us do the same for yours. Anytime. Service, repairs, and replacement with trained systems. Our trained comfort specialists are carefully selected to visit your home and offer you a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Anytime offers an annual three-visit comfort plan starting at just $155. Visit AnytimeHVAC.com for details. Anytime. Large enough to take care of your heating, cooling, and plumbing, but small enough to care. Well, welcome back to the program. Great stuff from Paul Feinbaum. And now I want to get into the hot and cold of this last weekend. And I got to start with Kendall Milton. What a way for Kendall Milton to finish his career. We've all been waiting on this. We've seen those bursts. We've seen those flashes, those glimpses of what Kendall Milton could be. And now you're seeing it. Nine carries for 127 yards and two touchdowns against Old Miss. A workmanlike 14 carries, 66-yard day, and another touchdown against Tennessee. And then against Tech, Kendall Milton carries the day. 18 carries, 156 yards, both career highs. Two touchdowns for Kendall Milton. You know, I, I looked recently on Mel Kuyper Jr.'s uh, position rankings. There was no Kendall Milton to be found. I guarantee you these NFL scouts are going to get a hold of this tape. And I also guarantee these all-star games really need to be thinking about adding Kendall Milton to their roster, Senior Bowl, East-West Shrine. This is a guy that NFL teams are going to want to see now that he's finally healthy. You know, Milt had the hamstring injuries uh, that he's fought through the last couple of years, a couple of times of bad luck of a sprained knee. I think a byproduct of a guy that just works too hard, takes three or four guys typically to, to get him down. Um, but to see Kendall emerge at the end of his career, it, it certainly is something that I know Georgia fans appreciate. I appreciate you know, it wasn't too long ago we were doing the KM Squared show on Dog Nation, kind of a groundbreaking show with with Kendall and Kenny McIntosh and talking about their likes and dislikes. And you guys saw the finished product, but I got to tell you, working with those guys behind the scene off camera, they were every bit as pleasant and generous and polite uh, and professional as what you see on camera. And that's not always the case, as we know, 
with athletes. So it's been really nice to see Kendall Milton uh, have this success. Personally, he's one of those guys you meet, very charismatic, uh, very good guy. Certainly uh, his mother and father did a wonderful job with Kendall. And I know he represents them well, represents Georgia well, and, and he's going to need to step up, right? Kendall Milton is going to need a big game for Georgia to beat Alabama. They're not going to sit back and pick the tide apart. They're going to have to run the ball, uh, and a lot is going to be on Kendall Milton's shoulder. He is on the hot list. So is Jalen Milrow. Wow. The Milrow miracle. And I was there on the planes covering that game, and uh, Milrow's throw, his ability to sit back there, find the one-on-one. And as he said, this is a play they practice. And that's just some Hail Mary. It wasn't just a stroke of luck. They practiced that play every day. And the way that tied receivers were to get able to get open in the end zone was amazing. But did you know Milrow also had over 100 yards rushing in that game? He is absolutely breaking out at just the right time. And I would not be surprised if Milrow were to have a big performance if he were to find himself in the top five of the Heisman Trophy voting. I mean, he's clearly right now playing better uh, than I believe any quarterback in the nation. He's so dangerous with his ability to run and throw the ball. And we heard Kirby Smart talk about how, when I asked Kirby Smart to compare him to Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow, Kirby said, hey, this, this guy's different, like better different. Like he compared him to a, a more physical, bigger version of Lamar Jackson. And, and I asked Milrow, because Alabama lists him at 6220. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way. And I asked Milrow, I said, is that accurate? And he just laughed. He said, that's like my freshman number. No, I'm bigger. I'm thinking, yeah, he looks like 6'4", 230. Very, very dangerous player. His ability to throw the ball, his ability to run the ball. You can put a scout there, a player, to to just stay on him. That doesn't mean he's going to get him. Two other hot names on the list. How about Kirby Smart? How about a coach that wins 29 games in a row, which has never been done by an SEC coach before? Ever. We're not talking uh, Ball Pair Bryant, Gene Stallings, Nick Saban, Steve. Uh-uh. None of them did it. And then three straight 8-0 and SEC seasons. Never been done in the 32-year history of divisional play. Spurrier couldn't do it. Saban couldn't do it. Kirby Smart did it. When we close the books on divisional play, Kirby Smart will be at the top of the list with those three straight eight and those seasons. And I think Kirby's managed this year's team better than any other coaches managed their team in the nation. Georgia right now, 12 and 0. You think about the players that have been out, the players that have been in. You started the year without Dejon Edwards. You started the year without Lad McConkey. Then you lost Brock Bowers. Now McConkey's back out. Bowers is back out. Ra-Ra Thomas is out. I mean, Tate Ratledge is out. There's been so many changes that Georgia and Kirby Smart have had to manage with virtually no margin for error when you look at the teams that they've had to beat and continue to play uh, to keep this thing alive. And yet, you know, listening to Kirby this week, he seems refreshed, uh, confident in his team and his players, and yet very respectful of the Alabama team that he's getting ready to play. Of course, Nick Saban, uh, a mentor Kirby when Kirby was at Alabama under Saban for nine years. It's very competitive between those coaches, but you can tell there's a high degree of respect. And even Nick Saban lauding Kirby Smart's accomplishments going on and on and on. Another coach on the hot list, Dan Lanning. Wow. Those Oregon Ducks are on fire now. Uh, about a nine-point favorite to beat Washington. 
in the Pac-12 championship game Friday night. I believe if Oregon wins, they're in, even with one loss. Uh, Dan Lanning has done a tremendous job building a culture out there in Oregon in just two years. You remember how he started? 49-3 loss to the Dogs, and yet the Ducks bounce back, believe in their coach. They built this culture. Uh, it looked very strong, and, and certainly what he's done with Bo Nix uh, will excite a lot of Oregon fans. It looks like they're going to get to keep Dan Lanning. I thought he would have been a leading candidate for AM. He said, no thanks. I think if Florida were to ever make a move, they would go after Dan Lanning. does not appear Dan is in any hurry to lead the Pacific Northwest, and I know there's a lot of people in the SEC uh, breathing a sigh of relief because when Lanning does come back to the SEC, and make no doubt about it, it's inevitable – He's going to work on building a championship program. On my warm list, I go warm here. I go hot, cold, but I want to do warm. Nick Saban, people are warming up to what Nick's done this year. You know, I thought it was such a letdown when the Tide lost at home to Texas, and I was there for that. Let me tell you, that crowd was explosive. That shouldn't have happened. Okay, the Jalen Milrow we're seeing right now is not the same version that we saw back uh, September 9th in Tuscaloosa. That Jalen Milrow was not making good decisions. That offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, was not putting his player in the best position to succeed. He had not figured out how to make it work. Now, a lot of people are trying to say, well, I'll give Saban coach the year. No, no, no. No, you weren't ready in week two. Okay. We just got done talking about how Kirby had his team ready with players missing. There was no excuses. All right. I can't give Saban a pass and Tommy Reese a pass. They had the whole offseason to have their team ready, and they weren't ready for Texas. I can't just ignore that any more than I can ignore the fact that Alabama right now, and I echo Kirby Smart, is playing as good as any team in the nation. They're fantastic. And as Kirby said, don't pay any mind to that Auburn uh, scenario situation because we all know how tough Auburn can be in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Georgia needed that, that touchdown from Brock Bowers very late in the game. They trailed Auburn in the second half of that football game. And I think Auburn was a team uh, that probably got better later in the season as well. So Nick Saban warming up, though. A lot of people giving him a lot of credit. If he were to find a way to beat Georgia, certainly Nick Saban would be in Coach of the Year conversation. And Brent Key. I know this breaks the hearts of a lot of Georgia fans to hear a Georgia Tech coach praised, but you listen to Brent Key speak about it being about beating Georgia and making it to a bowl. 365, beating Georgia. You can tell. The Yellow Jackets played with a lot of heart, soul. That was a well-coached game. Their team executed. They were the Hunters. I know that's not what Kirby Smart wanted. I know he did what he could to get his team ready. We heard Georgia players trying to talk about that mindset. Clearly, Georgia Tech was the team that was more ready, more dialed in for that game. And you got to give Brent Key credit. He's got the Yellow Jackets going bowling uh, and really his first full year as head coach. That's a program that's going to progress. That's a coach to take serious. That's a guy that coached under Saban at Alabama and played at Georgia Tech in an era when they were able to beat Georgia. So I know Kirby Smart takes Brent serious. I know there's a, a respect there as well. Got to tip your cap to the way Georgia Tech has warmed up and become a formidable opponent. And then the cold list, right? Billy Napier, he's not going to get fired, it appears. Uh, true to the words of Scott Strickland, uh, the Gators are, are willing to be patient. They have a halfway decent recruiting class, at least for now. It doesn't seem to be splintering that much. And maybe they really believe Billy Napier is the guy, or maybe they just don't want to pay a 32 or $33 million buyout, or maybe they don't want to start from scratch when they don't really have a coach out there uh, that, that they're looking at hiring. I mean, who are the good candidates? Who would Florida bring down? Not Obviously not uh, Lane Kiffin or Mark Stoops. So they say, you know what? Let's sit with Napier one more year. 
It's a third year for Billy Napier. A lot of people are trying to compare that to Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz, who's only five games over 500 at this stage of his career, and saying it's just going to take time. We will find out soon enough. The Gators are going to hold Napier. I would predict that if Billy Napier doesn't work out for Florida, they will probably also replace other key people uh, personnel in their administration uh, because that administration is dug in and protected Billy Napier. Third year in a row, the Gators have had a losing record. You got to go back to the 1940s uh, last time that happened. And then, as much as it uh, pains me personally, because I really like this guy, but Sam Pittman, wow, did Arkansas uh, lay down against Missouri at home? And, and the Hog fans weren't there. That stadium was empty. I mean, what happened? You saw Pittman turn that program around. Uh, the SEC just bludgeoned them with these tough schedules, tough game after tough game after tough game. And I almost feel like it just wore Arkansas down. Too many body blows. I mean, this was a program that was competitive earlier this year with Alabama. It actually went into Florida and beat the Gators at the Swamp. And yet against Missouri, you could just tell. It just looked like a beaten down, exhausted, frustrated team with the fights. It was a really bad look. Uh, they are going to keep Sam. They're going to give him an offseason to fix it, to get it together. Clearly a guy that's popular in that community. Um, you know, I, I think the way Sam represents himself uh, got him another year, the trust that they have in Sam. So Sam, on that cold list, and it's going to be a long, cold offseason for a lot of these SEC teams that, you know, could be done. And, and here we are uh, covering Georgia, Alabama this week, a game that really means a lot down there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Can't wait to get there. I agree with Kirby Smart. I think this is one of the best venues in all of football. I think they did a remarkable job with that stadium. Can't wait. Uh, certainly we'll have a Dog Nation uh, tailgate event there. I know some of you bought tickets for that. Um, and then our programming throughout the week. And you're Again, Brandon Adams every day. Uh, 10 a.m. with Dog Nation Daily. Don't forget Wednesday night, it's before the hedges with Jeff Centel. Then Thursday night, it's the Marlowe's Happy Hour Show uh, with Kaylee Manziel. And then Saturday, our pregame show. Kaylee uh, hosts that as well. Uh, this Sunday night, we'll have a special presentation on the beat. I'll be on with Connor Riley, who typically does the Connor and coverage on Sunday. Uh, but with all the news happening this weekend on Saturday, the SEC championship game, Sunday around noon, the college football playoff rankings come out. We'll have all sorts of stuff to talk about next Sunday night, special night, special presentation of on the on the beat so uh with that i want to thank my producer michael carvel i want to thank uh, jay black for helping out with the program appreciate paul feinbaum coming on have a great week everybody